discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same, we are constant. God is constant, God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. God is very, very wise. You know, God does, God does everything according to the counsel of his own will. Sometimes, um, when you share the word of God concerning some of the things that has happened to us as a result of the new birth, you have people who don't, they, they wonder if it is true. Can this be true? Why would God do it like that? Why should it be like that? A lot of people feel that they are not so, they are not significant for, for God to like them or to love them or to be close to them. But this is what God has chosen. I don't think you chose your clothing today because of anything special. I mean, you just searched and thought of what you, you like. Yeah, and you chose it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The clothes did not decide for you to choose them, isn't it? Uh -huh. You chose the clothes. You have, a, you have a sovereign will when it comes to choosing your clothes. And you chose. So God also has a sovereign will. Do you see? And you can't, you can't, you may think that what he has chosen is not right. Sometimes you go for some weddings and some people they will be talking. The groom is, you don't think the groom is qualified to marry the bride. Like if you look at the social class, I mean, it's like it's not matching. Oh, the, the guy, the lady should have married this other person. But you see, the lady decided that this is the one I like. Oh, what do you think about what I'm saying? That is what she likes. And that is what she has chosen to be with. Or that is the one he has, she has chosen to be with. You can't say anything. You standing by the side can't say much. In the same way, God, according to the counsel of his will. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. We can read from verse 3. Let me read all the way, okay? From verse 3 to verse 12. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I mean, how can you read this as a child of God and be sad in your life? These are, the bless these are blessings that people are chasing. But in Christ, these blessings are made available to you for free, free of charge. You don't need to struggle for blessings. You are the blessed. God doesn't send out anything from him without making that thing a success before he sends it out. I mean, you are using phones, right? Some of you are using Samsung, uh, what? iPhone, Huawei, Yams, Coco Yams, uh, whatever it is that you're using, comes from a certain company. Just imagine if... Um, Apple sends out iPhone 12 and it doesn't work. What does that say about him, about the, the company? 
It means that the company is not correct. There's something wrong with the company. Do you see? The company's integrity is at risk. If it sends out, you know, products that are not correct, that are not right. If Apple is careful in making everything right and making sure that that iPhone in your hand will work at all times. I mean, there are some that go, you can even take pictures in water, underwater. I remember some, some, I think about two years ago, we went, my family and I went to a certain place and we were, the whole fun was a big something. I think we were like 30 or so. And we were swimming. And we went under the water and some, one of the ladies in there, one of the cousins had an iPhone that could take pictures underwater. That became the fun for that particular uh, vacation. It was not a small thing. I mean, we entered the water and we take pictures and we see our faces. How was your face looking when you were down there? Wow. Can you imagine if iPhone says water resistance and you put it in the water and then it, it, just, it just fries like that? What will you do? You will not be happy at all. Many, many Christians feel that I've, Apple is a better producer than God. So they believe in what the product of Apple does than what God's product does and what God has said concerning his product. You see, when in Genesis chapter, chapter 1, from verse 26, let's, let's look at it. Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Verse 28. And God blessed them. He did what? So Adam was not looking for blessings when he came on the scene. He was blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? It means to be envied. It means to be rich. It means to have all, to be complete. To not need anything. To have all and not need anything. To be envied. You have all so much to the point that you are envied by others. And others would want to associate with you. So he says, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful. He made them fruitful. And multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every creeping, every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Adam was blessed. So when he came on the scene, it was a blessing of God happening everywhere. The same happens to you when you become born again. Immediately you give your life to Christ. That is why the born again experience is the most important experience you can ever have. What Jesus did on the cross of Calvary was so important for humanity. Because you know that Adam lost this blessing. Adam lost the glory of God. Jesus brings the glory of God to us. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all of human beings, not new creations. If you're a child of God, you are not in that category anymore. That scripture does not refer to children of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So go back to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us? He's not going to bless us. He has blessed us. There's nothing that you will do to bring more blessings. Why do we do things? Why do we give? Why do we give our tithes? Why do we do all the things that we do? It's not so that you'll be blessed. It's so that the blessing will show forth in your life. It's so that the blessing will manifest in your life. It's not for you to be blessed. You don't give your tithe for you to be blessed. You give your tithe to, for the manifestation of the blessing of God that is in your life. It's like having accessories coming with the phone. 
you see, if you don't have a charger, you can't, the phone will not mean anything. So the fight is like the charger that causes the phone to keep charged, to, for it to be charged all the time. For you to have the output you are supposed to have all the time. It's not, that is not what makes the bring the phone into existence. The phone is already in existence. It has, it has everything in it to make things work. But you need accessories to have maximum output. That is why we do certain things. We are, we are taught to give time. We are taught to confess the word of God. We are taught to do this. We are taught to do that. So that we can have what has been given to us show forth in every aspect of our life. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. See, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You, you, sh- you should be jumping around. You see, some, some, some people read the Bible like this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. All spiritual blessings in heaven places in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Shabalaba. Debadaba. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll talk again, Lord. No emotions. You see, you see, when someone is talking to you, someone you love is talking to you. There are some married couples who don't have emotions when their husbands are talking. There's no emotion. May the Lord heal your marriage in Jesus' name. You need to have some emotions. As the words are being communicated, they are, they are very important. They come with some kind of weight. Yeah, every word counts. And you, there are emotions in the words. Do you see? The word of God is God's letter to you and I. And it carries his emotions. It carries his heart to you and I. Do you see? Yeah. So you should be excited. Remember, last week I told you that the kingdom of God is not what? It's not in meat. That is in um, Romans chapter, chapter what? Chapter 10. Romans chapter 14, verse 17, right? Romans 14, 17. Read this for me. One to go. Uh-huh. The kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. In other words, what you eat or do not eat does not qualify you in the kingdom of God. Or what you drink or do not drink does not qualify you in the kingdom of God. You see, your mind just went somewhere. But the Lord is talking to you. You know what I'm talking about. You know, because during that time, they were saying that if meat was offered to idols, you don't use it. If you go to a place and they serve you food and you realize that they are pagans, those who are there are pagans, don't eat any of the food. Do you see? So he was trying to explain some of those things. Don't eat anything, don't drink anything that they give to you because it's been offered to idols. So he was letting them know that the kingdom of God is not in those things. It's not in physical things. But the kingdom of God is righteousness. If he was talking about you boozing, he would not have said that the kingdom of God is righteousness. Because boozing is not righteousness. How, do you understand righteousness? I, I, I've shared a message. It will, it will play on Wednesday. I've shared a very important message on the three levels of righteousness. That will be playing on Wednesday. You need to watch it. It will help you understand what righteousness is. Okay? I'm sharing concerning the reign of grace through righteousness. On that level. During the Wednesday services. You need to hear it. So righteousness does not mean that you can, you can do whatever you want to do. No. Righteousness means displaying God. It means displaying God. That's what it means. So he says the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness. It is peace and it is joy. Not sadness. So you shouldn't be sad. The Bible says in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, he says that, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's, what? there's liberty. In other words, now the Lord is that spirit, and where that's where the Lord is, there's what? There's liberty. There's joy. It is not the kingdom of God if there's no joy. 
If you can't be happy as a child of God, if you can't read your Bible and be happy, then it means that you are not, I don't know what's going on with you. If things concerning God does not excite you, if Shatawale is the one who's exciting you, then there's a problem. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you let me keep to my message. (laughs) So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us with all spiritual blessings. See, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. In heavenly places in Christ. Next verse. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He says he has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He chose us. He chose us. Say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Say, I'm called. I'm called. And I'm chosen. chosen. By God. God. If you are chosen, it means that you are taken from a lot. You cannot be chosen if there are no other options. There are other options. That is why he says you have been chosen. So you are very special to God. Can you imagine? If the creator of the heavens and the earth thinks that you are his best, then why do you think you are not okay? No. He says you are his best. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, he says that for we are his workmanship. You and I are the workmanship of God. We are God's, the word workmanship is manufactured product. Or um, um, the best architectural or uh, artistic work of an artist. Just like the way we say Mona Lisa, the Mona Lisa is the best work of, uh, is it Da Vinci? Yeah. Do you see? If you say Mona Lisa, you think about Da Vinci. If we say Pastor Pages, we think about God. If we say God, we think about you. Can you imagine? That God thinks that you are his best. This is amplified. It's for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. We are his best. Out of the heavens and the earth and everything that you can see in it, we are the best that God has. You are God's best. So don't, don't walk around like this. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I don't know what's happening. I don't know how things are going to be. No! The kingdom of God is full of what? Joy. Full of peace. Full of righteousness. Hallelujah. See, I'm going to enjoy my life. Listen, make a decision to enjoy life. Make a decision to, make, to, to not live in sickness. Charlie, sickness is not an easy thing. Have you ever had pain in your body before? That will not go away. One day, Jesus met a woman who was bent double. She was not bent like this. She was bent like this. She had to crawl on the floor on all fours. When Jesus saw her, he was moved. For 18 years, she had been walking like that. 18 long. Do you know 18 years? Who is 18 here? But you know an 18-year-old. <laughs> you know yourself. An 18-year-old is really grown. You, you know things. Yeah. That woman had suffered this particular sickness for 18 long years. When Jesus saw her, he was moved with compassion. And commanded that devil. Can you imagine that Jesus said that that's what was keeping her in her state, in the sick state, was a devil. So he cast out the devil. Luke chapter 13 verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Thou art loose from thine infirmity. Next verse. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was mistreat and glorified God. Now, when this happened for her, the people there were not happy. You see how wicked the religious folks were not happy. 
religion is what will tell you that sickness is part of what God gives to his children to humble them. Anybody who tells you that is a religious person and is hated by God. Because sickness does not bring joy. How does sickness bring joy? How does it magnify God in your life in any way? It doesn't. It doesn't. How does poverty magnify God in your life? You can't do what you're supposed to do. Do you know hunger? One day, you know, most of the time when I, when I eat, I pray that everybody in the world will eat. Yeah, if for nothing, you should eat. Yeah, it's not a joke. One day I ate, I was really satisfied. Good food. When I finished eating, I just lifted my hands and prayed that, Lord, no, let no one go to bed without eating today. Yeah, because it is not a joke. Yeah. Food. Food. God doesn't want any of his children to go to bed without food. No. God doesn't want you to lack so much, be in lack, be in need all the time. You don't know how things are going to work. Nothing is working in your life. Your dignity is reduced to begging. Do you see? You have to do all kinds of things to get certain things in your life. You have a lot of young ladies doing all kinds of things just for certain things. Yeah. Of course, some of them are not correct, but some are genuinely in need. And they can't, they can't, they don't, they, they are not seeing any other way. They are not seeing any other way. That's why God sent us. To bring them into salvation and to help people. Do you see? God has chosen you. Go back to that place, Ephesians chapter 1. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. What a beauty. Next verse. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It's according to the good. That's what I wanted to let you know. It's according to the good pleasure of his will. He did all the things that he did on the cross of Calvary because he wanted to do it. He chose you because he likes you. And he prefers you. You Some people think that God does not like them. That God is chasing them because of one or two things. Because of something they are doing or not doing. But God is not interested in what you are doing or not doing. He's interested in you. God is interested in you. So never think that because of something you did or something you did not do, God is at loggerheads with you. And that until you are right, you cannot come close to him. God made you right. That's what righteousness is all about. God makes you right for himself. Yeah. He makes you right. And sets you up to live the life that he has called you to live. Decide that you live the glorious life that he has given to you to live. Last week I was sharing concerning the glorious life. God has given us a life of glory. We've been born unto glory. If you read in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, To whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. And you become born again, Jesus comes into your life through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So Christ is inside you now. Say, Christ is in me. Jesus is living his life in you. Can you imagine? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Look at Galatians 2, 20. This is Paul talking. He says, I am crucified with Christ. This is the the state of every child of God. 
I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in where? In me. So Paul knew that Christ was living in him. Do you know that Christ is living in you? If you are born again, Jesus is living in you. That miracle worker is living in you. You know, Jesus was so sure of his life. From the beginning to the end, he knew exactly what was going to happen every time. He told Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has sought to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I pray for you, that your faith fail not. And when you are restored, convert, strengthen your brethren. When you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Because Jesus has said to him that, you are going to deny me before, before morning. Peter said, me doña me. I will never do that to you. He put his fingers on the floor and licked it. No, I will never do that to you. But Jesus told him that it will happen. Some few hours later, Jesus was arrested. A few hours later, Jesus was being beaten. And Peter was there. And one small girl came to tell her, came to tell him that, listen, you, I know you. You are one of them. You even look like him. <laughs> Peter said, hey. He put his finger on the floor again and licked it and said, me do me. I do not know this man. And, and, and he did it three times. And the Bible says that on the third count, on the third time, Jesus' eyes met his eyes with his eyes. Yeah. Jesus', Jesus eyes met with his eyes. <laughs> And he stepped out and went to, he wept his eyes out. It was not easy for him. Someone you know. You are swearing that you don't know him. Because of death. <laughs> have you seen it? This is Luke 22, 16. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. Their eyes met like that. Wow. That master predictor of life is inside you. And if he's telling you that your future is bright, I don't know why you think that your future is not bright. If he's whispering to you that tomorrow is beautiful, two years from now is going to be beautiful, why do you want to say something else? He has given birth to us unto glory, unto a life of joy, of peace, of excitement, of great grace, of glory. Hallelujah. It says Christ in you, the hope, the confident confident expectation of blessings, of joy, of goodness, of grace, of power, of love, of kindness, of blessings. What can I lack? How how is the next year going to be for you? How is it going to be for you? How is the next one month going to be for you? You know, up to date, there are Christians who say, oh, we don't know, you know how the economy is going. We don't know what, what will happen. No one knows tomorrow. Listen, listen. I know tomorrow. I said I know tomorrow. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians. Chapter 3. Let's read from verse 20. 1 Corinthians 3, 20. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. 21. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. All things are yours. Are you a child of God? He's telling you that all things are yours. Everything is yours. Look at the next verse. Whether Paul, you know, some people in the church were saying at that time, were saying that, oh, me, I belong to Paul. Another saying that I also belong to Apollos because the Corinthian church had been ministered to by Paul. Paul was the one who started the church. But Apollos had come from somewhere. Apollos was not known by Paul. 
you see, Apollos was not known by Paul. Apollos knew the scriptures, but he didn't know the way of the Lord very well. But he was mighty in speech. If you read in Acts chapter 19, you see him. Yeah, Acts chapter 19, I think the last verses of Acts chapter 19. He was mighty in deeds and in words. Priscilla and Aquila, who were trained by Paul, heard him speaking in one of the synagogues. And they took him and trained him and showed him the way of the Lord more perfectly. But Apollo, because Apollos was not raised directly by Paul, he was not heeding to Paul so much. So one day Paul said that, I wanted Apollos to come and visit you, but he has another, he has his own will. He wants to go to this side and this side before he comes. So it's up to him. So some people in the church were saying, and Apollos had gone to Corinth to go and preach to them, to go and top up what Paul had said. And I've taught them, you see. So and Apollos was mighty in words. Apollos had a better stature. He was a fine gentleman. And he had charisma. And, and, and he, he had words. Acts chapter 18, rather. 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria. An, elo- an eloquent man. Can you imagine? That he was called an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. Have you seen it? He was mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Next verse. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent, being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So he didn't really understand much. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Do you see? They expounded to him the way of the Lord more perfectly. But he, he wasn't really, he didn't really know Paul much. They always missed each other. If you read, go to chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. So they were always missing each other. When he is here, Paul is here. Are you saying it? Yeah. So some people in the church were aligning themselves to various, uh, to, the, to the preachers who had preached to them. That I belong to, like some people do in certain churches. Yeah. Do you see? Oh, I belong to Pastor Eli. Mm. And others will say, I belong to Pastor T. Mm. And others will say, I belong to Pastor, uh, who, who, Pastor, Pastor Papo. <laughs> There's something wrong with your brain. So Paul was trying to let them know that whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that speaker, okay, all the world, all these preachers are for you, are for your benefit. The world is there for you. Life. Can you imagine? He says, life is yours. You own life. Wow. Wow. Or life. Or death. Or things present. He says, death is yours. Meaning that you choose when to go. You know, some people are afraid of death. Because of the uncertainty that is around it. There's so much uncertainty when it comes to death. You know, it's like death creeps up on people. Just like that. It's as though death has so much power. Death is an enigma for humanity. Something human beings cannot understand. We don't know when it is going to come. Maybe you'll be driving from Akira to Kumase, and then you'll be gone. Maybe you'll be, you sleep and you don't wake up. Maybe, we don't, you don't know. Do you see? But the one who had the power of death... Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, from verse 14. Look at Hebrews 2, from verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus also himself, he's talking about Jesus actually, likewise took part of the same. In other words, Jesus became flesh, God became flesh and blood, because we are flesh and blood. So that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Wow. So the devil had the power of death. Okay. 
before Jesus came. But when Jesus came and died and rose again, he took, he destroyed the one who had the power of death. Have you seen it? Go back, go back, please. That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. So he, the word destroy is to unemploy. He unemployed the devil when it comes to death. So the devil does not hold sway when it comes to death anymore. If you read in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Let me go there quickly and I will come to this one. I am he that liveth. This is Jesus talking to John. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Who has the keys of hell and death now? Jesus. Where is Jesus living? Jesus. He's living inside you. So he's inside you with the keys of, he- of hell and death. So go back to Hebrews chapter 2. Now let's read verse 15. He says he did that. He destroyed the one who had the power of death so that he can deliver all those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He doesn't want you to be afraid of death. We don't know when it's going to come for us. We don't know if we are going to die tomorrow. We don't know if we are going to die from three days from now. We don't know. No. That is not for a child of God. So Paul says whether it is life or death, all are yours. Then it says, whether it's things that are present or things that are to come, the future is yours. All are yours. So never talk about the future with a certain sense of uh, uh, uncertainty. We don't know how it's going to be. We don't know. He says that, listen, your future is full of glory. Christ in you, the confident expectation of glory. Go back to Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. Is Christ in you? Is Jesus in you? Ask anybody, is Christ in you? What did he say? Yeah. Is he in you? Yeah. Are you sure he's in you? Yeah. Then you have it made. All that you need is for that one who has the keys of hell and death and who owns the future and owns the past and the present. You see, you don't even remember two days ago. Do you remember what happened to you? What happened to you? How did you live on 19th May 2020? 2020, 19th May. Where were you? What, walk me through the day. No matter who you are, you cannot walk me through the day. Unless you keep a, di- a diary, you may not be, even, even if you keep a diary, or unless something very important happened to you on that day, you will not remember. You don't remember your past. God knows your future more than you know your past. He knows your future more than you know your past. And he says that your future is full of glory. Don't disagree with him with your words. Agree with him with your words. Say what he's saying about you. What is he saying? He's saying that Christ is in you. Okay, this is, this is NLT, Colossians 1.27. For God wanted them to know that, that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. This one says, assurance of sharing his glory. No, that's not what he, he, he said in this particular place. There's a problem here. Let's read the Amplified. To whom God will make blah, blah, blah. It says, which is Christ within and among you, the hope of realizing the glory. This one also has a small problem. What he's trying to let you know is that, listen, because Christ is in you, tomorrow can never be bad. Tomorrow can it's always great. You have a confident assurance of the glory of God that is resident in you showing forth. You see, as far as God, you know one of the things that Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection for us? If you become born again, this is what happens to you. Second Corinthians chapter 3. 
Let's read from verse 17. We read 17 just a few minutes ago. Let's read it again. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Liberty. There's liberty. Next verse, verse 18. But we all, say but we all. But we all. With open face, beholding as in a glass. The word glass is mirror. The glory of God. If you look into a mirror, who do you see? If you see your grandmother, there's something wrong. There's something wrong, I tell you. When you look into a mirror, who do you see? You see yourself, right? So he says that we are with open face. Why is he saying open face? Because he was comparing the glory of the Old Testament. Okay? You see how secured Israel was? And what the things that God said concerning Israel and how it came to pass. Do you see? Even in Israel's disobedience, God still loved them. Read the Bible, you'll be surprised. So he was comparing the glory of the old. You know what Moses spent? Moses spent so many days, 40 days with God. When he came down the mountain, his face shone. His face was full of, full of glory. His body had changed. His skin color had changed. It was shining like that of an angel. And the people could not look at him. So he had to put on a veil, a mask. He had to put on a veil in order to be able to talk to the people because they couldn't come close to him. So they had to cover him. He had to cover himself so that they could come close. Do you see? And Paul was saying that if that glory that Moses had because of the law, okay, which actually faded away. Moses was not like that for the rest of his life. After some hours, it faded away. He says, if that glory faded away, how much more the glory that comes by the Holy Ghost and by the sacrifice of Jesus, which we have now, how much more? How can the, what we enjoy and what we have be compared to the old? Why do people want to live like the Old Testament? Why do you want to be like Elijah? You know, there are some preachers who want to be like Elijah. It doesn't make any sense. There are some preachers who want to be like Elisha. There are some preachers who want to be like Moses. There are some preachers who want to be like David. No, it's not supposed to be like that. The glory that Jesus had is higher than every other person can think. Jesus is God. And when Jesus came into this world, he had a certain glory. Before he left, he said that the glory that God had given to me, I had given to you. Wow. He has given his glory to us. You see the way Jesus had a life of success. Everything he did worked. Everything he did worked. Nothing could overcome, overcome him, overpower him. Because mm. today he was sleeping in a boat. And the winds rose. The waves rose. The disciples came to him and said, Master, the Bible says he was sleeping in the boat, on the hinder part of the boat, on a pillow. Whilst they were struggling, he was asleep on a pillow. He was enjoying his sleep. In the midst of the, the fire, the trial, he was sleeping. David said, Ye do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil. Then he says, Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of my enemies, I'll eat. I'll not be, I'll not be afraid. I'll not be running around doing whatever. That's what Jesus was sleeping. Then the disciples came and woke him up. Master, carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care that we are perishing? They were blaming him for something he had not caused. Just like you have a lot of people blaming God for things he has not caused. When something bad happens to them, God, you see, I'm warning you, what's all this? He's not the one who caused it. He's expecting to rise up and address that particular challenge. When Jesus rose from from his sleep, the Bible says that he went and then told the sea to calm down. The Bible says he rebuked the waves. Calm down now. And that sea calmed down. It has calmed down from that time to date. It's called Dead Sea now. It doesn't have any waves. It doesn't rise. It's sleeping to date. Amazing. That man who calmed situations down is sitting inside you. 
So let's just say any, any situation should rise up in the future. Why should you be afraid? You shouldn't be afraid because the greater one is living inside you. That's why I like that song so much. I'm gonna dance and praise him. That is your life. Every day full of dancing and praise. Why? Because the greater one lives inside of me. You know, there are some songs that communicate faith to you. And there are some songs that communicate doubts and fear. Christian gospel starts gospel, but then communicates fear to you. It communicates uncertainty to you. You don't, you, you, you don't seem to remember what God has done. Christ is in me. It's Christ in you. Say Jesus is living inside of me. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what comes my way. Because a greater one lives inside of me. So he says, I'll rejoice. Listen, it's an instruction from the Lord to all Christians, to all children of God. He says, rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. This verse is in chapter 5 verse 6. He says, rejoice evermore. Evermore. Do you understand? Look at the next verse. There's another one that says, again I say, rejoice. There's one in Philippians chapter 3. Look at Philippians 3, I think verse um, 1. Look at Philippians 3, 1. Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Do what? Rejoice. Do you understand rejoicing? I'm not talking about the lady who is called rejoice. <laughs> Let, let's read the Amplified. So we have a lot of Christians who are quiet. More and more. Uncertain about life. Uncertain about their future. Am I going to get married? Will I have a baby? Makes no, the Bible says rejoice evermore. It says count it all joy when you fall, when you go through diverse tests. Maybe you have your mind for some time there's no child. Count it all joy. When you remember, joy number one. The child has not come. But I'm rejoicing anyways because it's coming. Because Christ is in me, that child is going to show up. For the rest, my brethren, delight yourselves in the Lord and continue to rejoice that you are in him. Continue to rejoice that you are in him. Not continue to be sad that you are in him. Because Christ in me, the hope, the confident hope of glory. That's why Paul said that knowing that we have this hope of this glory, we speak boldly. That's, that's 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 12. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, 12. Paul's talking about the fact that because of this glory that we have, what is glory? I define glory for you on Sunday. What is it? Yeah. Beauty. Yeah. Splendor. Yeah. Weight. Yeah. Power. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Dignity. Yeah. Honor. Yeah. Excellence. Splendor. Joy, liberality. Joy, liberal joy. He says because we know that Christ in us. We are sure. We have a confident assurance of joy tomorrow. Hallelujah. A confident assurance of blessings tomorrow. Yeah. A confident assurance of beauty tomorrow. What is your problem? Mm. Look at this. It says, seeing then that we have such hope. Which hope? He was talking about the glory of God. I told you. I shared yeah. this with you the last time. He was talking about the glory of God. The glory of God that is in our lives because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because we know that we have such hope, we speak, we use great plainness of speech. We speak boldly. We speak boldly about the future. Look at, look at the Amplified. Since we have such, such glorious hope, such joyful and confident expectation, 
Such, oh, since we have such glorious hope, such joyful and confident expectation, we speak very freely and openly and fearlessly. You know, I just said that. I just said that death is mine. Isn't it? Remember? Someone is saying, hey, these people, I don't know, are they not afraid? We are not afraid. I said death is mine. The Bible says he satisfies his beloved with long life. What do you want? You should, you should sit down, mm-hmm. talk to the Lord, and find out what time you want to go. Mm-hmm. People lived for 900 years on earth. 900 years. Their age was reduced because of iniquity. That is still available in the new creation. Wow. That 70 or 80 he mentioned in the book of Psalms was with respect to the children of Israel who were walking in the desert. Psalm 90 was written by Moses, was not written by David. And it was Moses who mentioned it, that, oh, if by reason of strength, he gives them 70. If by reason of strength, he gives them 80. Do you see? Moses wrote that after God had told Israel that all of them were going to die in the wilderness, apart from those who were 20 and below. (laughs) And he told them that you're going to have 40 years. In 40, 40, they were going to be in the wilderness for 40 years because they had disobeyed him. With their words, God told them, I'm taking from Egypt to to the land of Canaan with milk and honey. When they got on the brink of Canaan, they sent spies, 12 spies to the place. 10 came and said that, listen, the land is full of giants. We cannot. The land there is good. It is flowing with milk. It is flowing with honey like God. It's true. But we cannot beat the people. It's not possible. And the Bible says that all of Israel followed that 10. There were two of them who said, Joshua and Caleb said, no, we can take the land. The, The giants are small. They are bread for us. We can take them. The 10 said, no, we can't. And all of Israel followed the ten. So God got angry with them and said that, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do. Because you said you cannot, you will all die in the wilderness. You won't. You, none of you will see that land. None of you put, will step on that land. Yeah. Because of their words. They denied themselves by their words. Your words are so important. Are you agreeing with God or you are denying yourself? The blessings that God has brought into your life. As the blessings he has brought, as I told you. He has done all that he's supposed to do. But what are you doing with your mouth? With your words, you can deny yourself. Wow. I don't know. We don't know. You know. Hmm. We don't know if this prosperity they are talking about. We don't know if we will even prosper. Listen. Listen. If you want to pack a Jaguar here, you pack a Jaguar here. What, the question is, what do you want? Why do you think that you cannot prosper? No, it, it baffles my mind. Why? Why do you think that you cannot have a million dollars coming into your life? Why? Why? Is it, is it too good for your hands? No. Are someone's hands better than your hands? No. They say Africa is rich, but Africans are poor. Because of their mindset and their speech. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, Ghana is so hard. All those of you talk like that. You have to change now. Paul said, my God shall supply your needs according to his riches, not according to the country. My prosperity is assured. Whether COVID-19 is there or not, I will never beg for bread. Some people are quiet. Listen. 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 When you have a piece of land for farming, okay, and you clear it without planting anything on it. Mm-hmm. How different are you from the one who has, who has not cleared his land? Oh, yeah. You are the same. 
Because what you've left there will have weeds coming like it was there before. Is it true? So not saying anything about your life and your future means that you are expecting anything to happen. Are you in the church? Listen, I said we have been made the glory of God. We've not just been promised glory in our lives. We have the glory of God happening everywhere. Adam was a blessing of God happening everywhere. When God blessed Abraham, he blessed him and made him a blessing. You and I are not the glory of God. We, because I'm in your life, you have a confident expectation of good happening in your life. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Because you are in your parents' lives, it can only get better for them. Are you in the church? Hmm. Oh, hallelujah. I have some two minutes more. Sit down for some few minutes. I've not gotten anywhere in my notes, but I have to close. Yeah, I'm not preaching for long. I told you last week, right? Yeah. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It's nice. Oh, it says, since we know we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. My God, I'm rich. I will live, listen, I will live in health all the days of my life. Okay, keep your finger here. Go to go to First Peter chapter three. Let's read verse ten. First Peter three, verse ten. We are talking about creating your future with God. With the word. It's up to you. It's up to it's up to your words. What are you saying concerning your life? I've been poor before. Yeah, I've been poor before. Then I found these things out. What I'm sharing with you are things I found when I was around fifteen, sixteen. Yes, I'm not joking with you. That is why 15, 12, 11, 12 people are very important to God. Because you don't have a certain kind of, you are not like the old who have all kinds, they've gone through all kinds of things before believing in the Lord. So it's difficult for them. There are many old people who have difficulty in accepting what God has to say because of the things they've been through in life. Do you see? So God likes children. All of Jesus' disciples were under 20. He didn't, he, they were all under 20. So it's very important that you don't joke with children. And despite us, like they are nothing. Oh, this is they don't know anything. They are very important. The things children can learn and live out are amazing. You can be old and have a, a, a fresh mind, ready for change, ready to learn. That's what God wants. Moses started his ministry at age 80. 80. He was an 80-year-old man. Am I lying? 40. I spent 40 years in Israel, in, in Egypt, as prince of Egypt. When he turned 40, he wanted to help Israel. He killed one Egyptian. They found him out. He ran away. And was in the desert for another 40 years. Then God showed himself to him and called him. Go and get him. He was 80 years. Why? Because he had a fresh mind. He wanted to learn. He wanted to know. He ministered between 80 and 120. And the Bible says at age 120, he was not bent. He stood straight. His eyes were not dim. Who said old age should come with eyes being dim? Cataracts. Going down. Your bones shrinking. No. Who said it? Who said it? Kenneth, Kenneth Copeland is 84 years old. Turning 85 next month. His birthday just a few days before mine. He's turning 85 next month. He was doing press-ups 
on his stage as he was preaching. He just went and started doing press-ups at age 84. Yeah. You'll be there and say that, oh, as I grow, I have to shrink. That's your, that, when, when you think about your future, that's what you think about. You see, that's what you think about. Oh, I, I, I'm going to, maybe I'll have a small house somewhere in a certain corner. Do you know what I think about when I, when I think about growing older? I think about building houses for people. Free of charge. Buying cars. I was thinking about my 40th birthday yesterday. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, I'll be dashing cars. On that day, I would want to dash about 50 cars to people. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. When I'm 70, I'll be doing wilder things. When I'm 80, I'll be doing wilder things. When I'm 90, I'll be doing wilder things. Hallelujah. So never think about your future. Oh, I have so many things to show you. Which one did I say you should turn to? I said what? Keep your finger there as well. You like keeping your finger in certain places. Now, go to Philippians chapter 4. Let's read from verse, um, verse 6. It says, be careful for nothing. Stop being anxious. Stop worrying about everything. It says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Next verse. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Very beautiful. Next verse. This are, I can preach a whole month on that. But I want to show you this one. It says, finally, my brethren, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just or righteous, whatsoever things are pure or good or excellent, whatsoever things are lovely, hmm? lovely things, not loving, Lovely. He says, whatsoever is lovely, lovely things. Yeah. Nice things. Whatsoever things are of good reports. Do you see? Like when you, ah, this thing is nice, so this, this thing is good, pa, I like it. If there be any virtue, if there's anything of virtue, excellence, moral beauty, and if there be any praise, if there's anything that brings praise, he says, think on these things. Now, we always thought that, we've always thought, and I've thought it as well, that think on these things means let this be what you think about. Yeah. You understand? Like if something, uh, uh, that your thoughts should be lovely, yeah. your thoughts should be pure, your thoughts should be, isn't it? Yeah. But the word, the word think there, okay, is not the word for mind thinking. Wow. The word think there is logizomai. Wow. That's a Greek word. Wow. And it means to put to your account. It means what? To put to your account. So what he's saying is that if there's anything pure and lovely that you have seen around, if there's anything of good report that you have seen around, if there's anything pure that you have seen around, put it to your account. Like when you are thinking about yourself, do you understand what I'm talking about? When you are thinking about how your life will be, how your future will be, think about things that are lovely. Lovely things, fine things, beautiful things, healthy things, glorious things. That's what he's talking about here. Look at it. This is the amplifier. The amplifier says, says, think on and weigh and take account of these things. It's actually to, to, to it's the same word for, it's the same word that is used in, in, in Romans chapter 6, verse um, 11. Okay, look at Romans 6 from verse 11. Likewise, reckon. The word reckon is... Lord Jesus, it means to put to your account. Let's read from verse 10 into verse 11 so I understand it. 
For in that, in that he died, in that Christ died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lived, he lived unto God. Then he says, likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, put it to your account. It's like balancing the books. It's, like, it's an accounting term. Logizomai means to balance the books. To check what has come in and check your expenses and see if it matches. Do you understand? So he's saying that whatever is lovely, whatever is pure in life, whatever is of a good report in life, whatever is holy, whatever is joyful, whatever is beautiful, when you think about your life, your life, your higher life is going to be, your higher life is, put these things to your account. Do you like what I'm saying? Never think about your life and your future with negative things. You are putting, you are counting negative things to yourself. And as a man thinketh in his heart. So you see, how you are is dependent on what you are thinking. So if you think that, oh, I know how barely get along, then you will barely get along. If you think that, oh, I'll never have a child because they said my womb is whatever, this one is half, half. Listen, doctors are not God. Do you understand? People have given birth without wombs. People who were nine, Sarah gave birth at 90. What is your problem? Oh, I, I don't think that my health is not so whatever. When you think about your health, mm-hmm. think about walking straight. Think about walking tall. Think about, think about being so healthy. No diabetes, no hypertension, no stroke, none of those things. No, it, it's like when, as you grow up, you get to a certain point. Oh, it's like I'm supposed to get stroke at this time. It will come. You are not supposed to get stroke. What do you mean by getting stroke? No. Listen. Do you know when strokes started showing up in this world? It's not been so long. Do you know our great grandmothers never had stroke? And most of our grandmothers never had stroke. Do you know? Do you know? I don't know if you remember your grandmother. But they were fine. Yeah, they were fine. They go to the farm at 75, 80. Yeah, they are weeding. Planting things and they had hope in their hearts. Dreams of doing things. So those dreams and hopes, what they accounted to themselves, kept them alive for a long time. But because we started seeing stroke some years ago, people started seeing stroke. Hey, this one has stroke. This one had prostate cancer. This one had this, this one. So people started accounting it to themselves. Oh, maybe it will happen to me. Hmm. I don't know. We have to be careful. Maybe I have to exercise a lot more than I'm exercising. Maybe I have to do the. You see, if you exercise in fear, people exercised in fear and died. If you exercise, don't exercise because, oh, I I don't want anything to happen. Exercise because you want to stay fit. Not because you don't want something to happen. No, what do you mean? No. What are you accounting to yourself? Account beautiful things to yourself, account glorious things to yourself. Account joy, unspeakable, that is full of glory to yourself. Account health, blessings. It says, whatever is pure. I like it. Whatsoever is worthy of reverence. Hmm? So, what is worthy of reverence in this life? Money is worthy of reverence. If you have money, everybody respects you. Is it true? There are two things people respect, money and people. If you have people, people respect you. If you have money, people respect you. Yeah. So when you are thinking, don't think of dying in a corner without any help. I saw a certain man of God. I met a certain man of God last year. He's a white man. Uh, we went to we're in America for some time. We're in his church. And he died this year. 
And when he was dying, all of his family members were with him. As he was sinking into eternity, all his children were lying on his chest. And they were singing hymns and songs to him as he sank into eternity. And they sent us a video of it. Yeah. When I saw it, I said, I like this one. <laughs> Not dying in a hospital. <laughs> one foolish nurse will come and come and look at you and even slap you before you die. Whatever is honorable and seemly. Honorable and seemly. You can read it first. Whatever is winsome and gracious. Yeah, think. Put it to your accounts. Put it to your accounts. When you are thinking about yourself, when you are thinking about your life, think about these things. Put them to your accounts. Full of glory. Because Christ is in me. I'm going somewhere. I'm a success. And I'm happening everywhere. I'm manifesting everywhere. Look at me. I'm full of glory. You can all just shout. Rise up on your feet and thank God for what he has shared with you. Wow. Give him glory. Give him praise. Give him glory. Speak into your future. Speak into your future. Hey, Laramato. Shele Gaba. Mando Liga. Mando Liga. Lebrastanamando. In two minutes, just speak good things. Who is seeing that we want to see good days? Listen, listen, hold on, hold on. Let me show you one last scripture that will help you, okay? First Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Like I said, first Peter 3 10, it will help you in praying. First Peter 3 10. For he that will love life and see good days. Do you love life? Do you want to see good days? It says, let him refrain his tongue from, from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. The one who wants to see good days and the one who loves life must refrain his tongue from speaking evil. Evil about his own life. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'll get a job. I don't know. No. It says, let him say the right thing. Say the right thing because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20. Look at Proverbs 18, 20. Proverbs 18, 20. Oh, hallelujah. Start speaking in tongues as you warm up. You warm up to do some confessions for yourself. Start speaking in tongues. Oh, look at this one. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. A man's life shall be satisfied, satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. What he says is what he will get. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Maybe you've been saying some things in the past. It's making you have to say more now. Increase your lips. Increase what you are saying. Do you understand? Next, look at the next verse. 21. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. If you love life and you want to see good days, he says, let your mouth say the right things. Are you ready to say good things about your life? Lift up your hands wherever you are. Speak in the language. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. 
Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.